welcome to the Rider Dojo with your host, Steve Diamond. Yellow. And Larry Korea. Hakuna Matata. Today's episode, Lessons from the Gun Range. Hmm. Larry, today's a cool day. I'm glad to be back here with you. Um, you and I had a really, really cool experience re- recently. We were able to take more or less a three-day, uh, fairly intensive shooting class. Yeah. Um, I, it's become a tradition, uh, an annual tradition now, cause, uh, at Yard Moose Mountain where I live, I have my own shooting range. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I've started bringing out every year for a big, ex- we call it joinder con extravaganza. And that comes from the guys who are like, I do not wish to create joinder, you know, and then they get tasered by the cops. Uh, so that's where that comes from. <laughs> but, um, so we had this kind of like big thing and people fly in from around the country and I bring in, uh. Uh, really, really top tier instructors, and we use uh, Citizens Defense Research. They are freaking awesome. Great, and and if you've taken shooting classes, you know before, um, these guys are really, really good. And so this is actually writing related. This is so lest you think that we are going to um, wax political here, we're not at all. This no. has nothing to do with any of that. So we're going to tackle this in two pieces, Larry. First, first chunk of the episode, I want to talk about actually doing the thing. Why, aside from what, what can we as authors who also happen to be people who, who like going pew pew, what can we take from this class that we just took and, and implement it in our writing? Because again, we always want to talk about what can you do with real world experiences and bring them into your writing? Yeah. And, and in the second half, example. and in the second half of the episode, we're going to get a little bit more theoretical and kind of meta with you. Yeah, because I think one of the things Steve was surprised about is uh, because this, on the advanced end, it gets into like the professional coaching kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of that's a head game. A lot it's, of that's a mind game. It. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it. Okay, so so first, let, let let's talk about the structure of the class. Yeah. So what we do is um, uh, people fly in from all over America and. Uh, we do the first day we actually did a classroom thing for and, and to be clear, before any of you ask through email or through Facebook. Oh yeah, you're not invited. Sorry. This is you're you're not invited and it has nothing to do with whether me or Larry personally like you. Um one, I don't have any say in this. Um <laughs> I, I don't have a say. Um in many respects, like Larry is just the location. Yeah, this is my perk of getting to be me uh, and spending a lot of money on a big, nice house. That's right. I can have a shooting range. But Citizens Defense Research, they have a network of people yeah. who come to them wishing to be trained. Yeah, and then also uh, we have a lot of writers in here uh, that I invite, but those are all people that um, I know. So don't come fishing for an invite. I'm sorry, guys. I, I, I know too many of you. I can't have you all come to my house. These are... You got to understand these classes. So, so it was two classes, right, Larry? We had the kind of the, let's call it the, the, the beginners applied pistols sort of class, well, actually right? Actually, we had three because- Oh, there, there was the other one. Go. I didn't go to the other one. Yeah. So the first one was actually a uh, contextual cognition kind of class where mm-hmm. it was classroom, but we mostly talked about bad guys and how violent criminal actors work. From, and, from a writing perspective, hindsight being what it is, Larry- I really wish I would have been in that class. Actually, it's fantastic. So um, I invited John Brown, uh, John mm-hmm. D. Brown, who I wrote Gunrunner with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
John's main career thing is he writes thrillers. Mm-hmm. And so John came. And so we have this guy teaching this class. His uh, name's Chris Seipert. He's a Green Beret. Very, very, very intelligent guy. Very intelligent. Been doing this stuff for a long time. Teaches a class mostly about like um, planning and preparation and then, you know, how violent criminals act and how they operate. I tell you, John took like six pages of notes. I was well, sitting there by him. He didn't go to those shooting classes. No, not this year. Not the lot, not that live fire classes. He didn't go to them this year. He no. just went to the in classroom one. But as a thriller writer, to be able to go learn from professionals about how bad people act, was oh, that's gold. Yeah. And then the next day, we do a uh, one day basic pistol class mm-hmm. called FAPS. <laughs> Firearms Ac- accuracy. Uh, practice and standards, which just makes a hilarious acronym. Um, and that's taught by uh, Melody Lauer, who is probably the best diagnostic oh my gosh. firearms instructor ever. It's like, uh, it's like, it's like shooting with a golf pro basically. Oh, yeah. She can watch you. She's like Dr. House and, uh, she can just diagnose stuff. And then the next two days are what's called test and standards, which is the advanced class. Yeah. We refer to as stupid human tricks. It's. It's intense. This is not a tactical class. This is purely super fast and accurate with a pistol. It's a technical class. It's a technical class. Yeah. So it's not like tactics. This is just learning to shoot super crazy good. I mean, you, you got to understand guys. Some There there were a couple people at this class that are no joke, like super, oh, yeah. super, some of the, like the top shooters. Yeah, we, we, we have some world-class people in, in there. And um, like I said, I have people coming from all over. But I would say for those of you that are gun nuts, the average in this class is probably USPSA B or A class shooters with some yeah. masters. Yeah, they're definitely masters. Yeah. Well, well, last year there was a, there was definitely, a, what was, what was Rick? Was he, is he master or grandmaster? Uh, he's master, he master USPSA, but he won TACCON. Yeah. And then we had another guy who won TACCON this year. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Which is a big, for those of you guys who aren't good people, this is a big freaking deal. So really good shooters. Um, and so. And even they are having little tiny things that they're learning and that they're tweaking. Yeah. And they are better at the end of the class than when they started. Now These where, are studs. Where this brings it back around for um, full circle mm-hmm. for the writing is that as writers, we put all this stuff in our books, right? If you're yeah. writing action adventure kind of stuff, but you've never done anything with firearms, it's going to come through in your writing and you're going to yeah. come off as inauthentic. Yep. So when, when I first really started getting into writing, um, I mean, my, my dad was a career cop, right? And when I was really young, every now and then I did a, a shooting thing here and there, but it was never, it was never huge. I sold my sh- for a short story. Uh, and then a lot of you, you, you guys know the story by now of how, um, how I accidentally became Larry's co-author for my second short story. Worked for me. I mean, Hey, whatever. Um, in that story, a good chunk of it takes place, um, at Quantico and, um, lots of gunplay, of course, yada, yada. Before I did that, my dad, before he, he'd moved out here to, to where we live, um, he was still a police officer at the time. Um, he was the chief of police out in, out in a town in California. He, uh, he was, he came out to visit and I said, Hey, Hey dad, I, I need to go shooting. Like if I'm going to be writing stuff where people are firing guns, shooting guns, stuff like that. Like, like, I feel like, I feel like I'd be best served to kind of know how that feels. Like, what does a gun feel like in my hand? What does the air smell like? 
what does the sound smell like? What does the 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 what does the sound smell like? Yes, that too. <laughs> Sorry, what does the sound sound like? Um, what's the loudness of it? How does the how does the like the the wave of like the compression waves of sound and stuff? What do they feel like? It's things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, turns out, even in my fledgling writerhood, I had the right idea oh, just yeah. by pure chance. Absolutely. Um, and so you know, we went, we went to a range and we shot, and and that's that's where I ultimately fell in love with the Sig two two six. So if you when you read my fiction now, you know why everyone carries two two sixes around. Ooh, great gun. Um, but we put so we do we try to do so much research, okay, and we try to be as authentic as we can. And in many cases, it's hard. Like, you know, if I'm going to write about someone skydiving, like, sorry, I'm just never going to go skydiving. Like, yeah. I'm just not going to. But there are certain things you can do mm-hmm. and things of this nature, we definitely can do. This yeah. is easy. And you notice, and so Steve, um, this is something I've been doing for most of my years. adult life. Yeah, you're, I, you're I've been years. super into this and this was my career for a lot of years and I, I've been a gun guy. So Steve, um, this is the second year that you've been able to go to yes. this class. Yeah. And, and, uh, so not as much time, but how much do you, th- how much stuff, how much did you take away from this that you think you'll be able to incorporate into your fiction? Oh, an absurd amount. So, so the first year I went, you got to understand, um, the first year I went to this class right before the class, um, I'd, I'd signed up for it and stuff and it paid, um, I was fortunate enough to be allowed to go. Um, and I was all excited and obscenely nervous to go because I kind of figured I was out of my league. Well, cause Steve signed up, not just for the basic, he signed up for the, the, I signed the up advanced, for the advanced, which was pretty baller for a new guy. Yeah, That was in retrospect, um, you know, maybe not the wisest decision. However, it turned out to be perhaps the best decision that I ever made in terms of shooting. Okay. And I'll tell you why. So I went that first year, you guys, you guys, everyone, everyone already knows the story of, of how Steve broke his arm effectively. Yeah. Steve was all screwed up for this. So I, I got to the class and, um, literally like the week before the class, um, I went in to the doctors and was like, Hey, I need some cortisone shots because like I I can barely move my arm and I've got a shooting class. And from what I understand, it's going to be super intense and I don't want to be a wuss. And they're like, that's adorable. Best we can do is shoulder surgery. I was like, what? So they scheduled my shoulder surgery for literally two days after the class. Mm-hmm. So I show up, um, and I, and I talk to the, to the instructors, uh, of, from, from, um, from CDR and, and they were super cool about it. Right. Like, like Melody and Chris and John, they were super freaking awesome about it. I just said, Hey, look, um, I'm here, I'm going to do my best, but I, I honestly, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And they're like, Hey, it's okay. And, and we'll get into to a little bit more of this in the second half, but I kind of thought they were going to be like, I, I kind of thought they were like finessing me a little bit. They're like, Oh, it, it's okay. Don't you just go at your own pace. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. They, they think I'm nothing. Turns out that's not true at all. No. Not um, at all. so, uh, I think I was, I think I was two mags in and my shoulder was like, no, uh, it turns out, guys, when you have a torn rotator cuff, torn labrum, torn cartilage, and bone spurs, 
having explosions go off in your hand is a bad call. <laughs> um, you know, and, and maybe, maybe it seems like that should have been obvious, but I was like, whatever. Um, so, so after that, I was like, man, I'm, I'm done. And so I went up and talked to him. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm done. I like, I, I can't even lift my arm right now. Like literally. And they said, oh, well, okay. Well, you know, I, I mean, I mean, it was great having you and stuff. And I said, well, oh, can I just, can I just like sit here and watch and absorb and try to do mental reps? Like, I feel like I can still learn some stuff by watching. And they're like, yeah, okay. I don't think they thought I was going to do it. Well, also guys. And it, it was, was like 105 degrees. It was like 105 degrees. Um, it was so friggin' unseasonably hot. It was absurd. So, um, so I stayed, I watched, did the whole thing, um, learned some, but mainly I was just angry at myself the whole time. Um, and, and they, and they told me to come back the next year. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. You guys just want my money. Um, no, they comped you for the next year. They, didn't they? they comped me for the next yeah. year. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll do it. Came back the next year, um, did the first two days of the technically three days of classes. Um, and again, my, by the third day, my shoulder was toast from just fatigue. So I couldn't do it. But here's the thing. I probably learned more on day two by itself, which is a 10 hour day. Um, I learned more in day two than probably the rest of any instruction that I've ever received combined before. Yep. And, and it has everything to do with, with mentality, had to do with how I was standing, how I was gripping the pistol, how, how I was holding myself, the way my muscles were feeling, everything. And I mean, from, from foot to the top of my head, you learn. And so what I'm wondering, Larry, is all of that stuff that I just said, mm -hmm. what can we do? What, what are some of the things that we, you think we can do to take that sort of stuff and throw it in our fiction? Oh, yeah. Yes, we're concentrating on shooting today, but we can just as easily change this to horseback riding or motorcycles or, right. or sword fighting or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, by getting out there and actually doing it and experiencing and listening to pros and how pros talk about their trade, mm -hmm. that enables you to translate it in your fiction. Because if you're writing a point of view character who is a bad mamba jamba with a handgun, right? And you're taking this handgun class, you hear the terminology the pros use. Mm -hmm. You hear the terminology of how they, how they process this stuff. You can, if you're really into a subject, you can pick out a, a fake versus someone who's legit pretty, pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Even if they're good at faking it, kind of like, um, you know, we're going to have uh, an episode here where we talk about music. And mm -hmm. if you have a non-musician trying to talk like a musician, it's not the same as a musician trying to talk. Like a musician. Oh yeah. There's, there's obvious differences, right? right? So shooters, the same thing. Uh, and so in this case, you got to go and listen to the guys who really know what they're doing mm -hmm. and a cadre of students who are far above average, not normal <laughs> students at all. Yeah. Yeah. On the bell curve, even you were. So yeah, first <laughs> put this in perspective, guys. Okay. Got to understand. Larry's a good shooter. Oh, I'm really good. There's I, a really legit, good shooter. I'm pretty good. I, I used to shoot competition. I was legit. Okay. Uh, and I, when you get to this class, Larry. First year, I was lower half of the bell curve. Yeah. Which normally I go to a shooting thing and I'm competing for Top Gun, right? Yeah. This year, I was, first year I did this, I was lower half of the bell curve. I'd say you were right fairly well dead center this oh, year, Oh, this year, actually, I was only 0.4 of a second off Top Gun. Yeah. On the, the final, final test. Uh -huh. You improved a lot. Yeah. Well, I... I dry fired a lot this year. <laughs> Amen. 
<laughs> I practiced. I got back into practice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but I was only 0.4 per second off the, off top gun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the person that took second place was a little bit slower than me, but she was more accurate. I yeah. actually flubbed. I was quarter second and one eighth of an inch yeah. off. Yeah. So, but this is how good we're talking about. We're talking an eighth of an inch and a, and a fourth of a second is, is, you know, between winning and losing. Yeah. So. And it's, and, and those aren't insignificant. No, no measures of time. No. So the thing is though, guys, you do stuff like this. It's not about winning or losing. It's about what you can do to improve yourself and what yeah. you can do to learn. And you go and you do this stuff. And then, my gosh, it comes through in your fiction so very well. I remember in the first day of this class and, and I'll tell this story really quick and then we'll, we'll go to break and we'll come back and we'll kind of get a little bit more metaphysical, whatever you want to call it, touchy feely. Yeah. Okay. So the first, the first day of the class, part of the class is broken into like scenarios and stuff. Okay. And before we started doing the scenarios where it's, it, the general idea was. Yeah. So day okay, one actually is tactical because it's like yeah, a yeah, concealed yeah. carry class. Yeah. The first basic one. Yeah. Day one is actually a pretty good concealed carry class. And one of the things they were talking about was, okay, well, what happens if you, if you wake up and you know, there's someone in your house and stuff. And, and, and in, in the course of this conversation, there was this, almost this. It was a tangent that we got on, that the instructor Melody got on. And it had to do with what happens if you're in one of these terrible situations and you kind of have no choice but to engage, okay? Because that's, and that's one of the very first things that we're talking about. It's like, yeah, um, your, your first job should be to, you know, get out. Oh, yeah, avoidance. Gets, avoid. Yeah, we flog avoidance. Avoid. Yep. Um, but we're talking about, okay, what if you can't? And then... What happens if you're going through, you know, in, and, and, and you're shooting and whatnot, and then um, say your ammo goes dry, what can you do? Or, um, or you have a, a, a catastrophic malfunction in the course of one of these horrible situations, right? And one of the things that Melody said, I, I mean, it was, it was probably one minute of time, one minute, one minute over the course of a 10 hour day. Okay. Someone can do the math. We're both accountants. We're not going to do it. Um, and she's like, okay, well, look, if, if you run out of ammo and you're going to use your gun as a bludgeon, she's like, there's a very specific way to do it. You muzzle punch. She's like, she started talking about why and how you're doing it. And I, and I was just sitting there going, huh? Yeah, that makes sense. Huh? See, there's different backgrounds because you never thought of that before. No, I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't considered it from that angle before. See, I got to crack sternum that way. And immediate, really? And immediately, what was the first thing you think I thought, Larry? It was, you're going to put that in a book. I'm going to put that in a book. Heck yeah. Because it makes sense. Yep. You know, and it adds authenticity to it. And it's better than, than the crap that we always see in books where the person's gun just doesn't load right. And he has to go to hand to hand combat. You know, I mean, I think it was you that was telling me that that you, you were reading a book and that happened like three or four times in the Yeah, the guy's gun malfunctioned three times so you go to a hand-to-hand combat yeah, scene. Just three as Three separate excuse, hand-to-hand combat right? scenes. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know what? I want to do this right. So anyway, my whole point here, guys, is when you go, when you go, when, when you go to these classes, just like you, what you were saying, Larry, you never know what little nuggets of information you're going to get. The vernacular that's going to come to you. Um, stuff that you're, you're going to go, oh, yeah. I can write a cool scene like this. That's writing gold. That's gold. Yep. All right. We're going to take a quick break so you can hear a word from our beautiful sponsors, whoever they are for this episode. And, uh, and we'll be right back. 
explore a wormhole. Riemann's lens simulates the non-Euclidean geometry and strange visual effects associated with the Riemannian wormhole. While it is unknown whether these objects exist in nature, nothing prevents us from investigating their properties and consequences with our computers. Riemann's Lens is an interactive virtual art display that allows you to fly around and through a wormhole with simple scenery rendered in the Euclidean space on either end. The size and geometry of the wormhole can be adjusted. Custom scenery can be defined with a scripting language. Riemann's Lens is available in the Steam Game Store, currently just five bucks. Pick up your copy today. Welcome back to the Rider Dojo. All right. First half, of the epi- first half of the episode, we talked about all of the kind of the literally like taking experiences that, you, experiences that you have and using them as fodder for your books to lend authenticity, really. I mean, part of the reason why, why your action scenes are so good, Larry, I think, um, is my opinion, although I doubt I'm alone especially for your, your stuff that, that deals with gunplay, they're so authentic because you've shot all of these things. Oh yeah. And I genuinely love that stuff. And then all the people I hang out with are people who do that kind of thing. And so like a lot of like the real life cool guy stuff, I, I have not personally done, mm-hmm. but I know somebody who has. Well, and you have, you have enough experience with things to where you can, you can kind of merge someone else's experience with, with your own, like, like the the, the sensory feelings of these things together. And I've had a lot of opportunities in my life to do like some cool training in different mm-hmm. aspects and different kind or dabble in different things that normal people wouldn't get the opportunity to. And I'd like to use those in, in the writing. Right. Now here's the interesting thing about this class we went to. And I think, I think that this would actually surprise quite a few people. Um, the, the advanced class, the first day of it, I think we started at 8.30 in the morning that day, mm-hmm. if I remember right. We didn't start shooting until, I think, oh. afternoon. No. I think it was 12 a, or 12.30. We shot before lunch, so it was about 11. No, we didn't have lunch till 1. Oh, we, oh, yeah, so it might have been, yeah. So. so I think it was noon yeah. before we actually started shooting. And it was head game stuff. So what, yeah. So Larry, what were we talking about for the first four hours? Basically, the psychological aspects of competition shooting. Yeah. Because what people don't realize is, you know, you can put in, it takes about 90% of the effort, you know, to get that last 10%, mm-hmm. um, you know, 10% of the effort to get 90 or the 80, 20, whatever you want to use. So at really high level shooting, yeah, there's reps, there's practice, there's training. Well, and, and no doubt, like they took us through like, okay, let's see how you're standing. Oh let's yeah. Let's yeah. see, let's see how you're holding your gun. Let's see how your hand goes to your gun to con- from conceal. We did a lot of stuff with like, it's basically like if you were to a golfer and you were to pay a golf pro mm-hmm. to sit there and help you with your swing for an hour. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of stuff where it's just going through the, the mechanics of it, the biomechanics of what you're doing mm-hmm. and the way to do it the most efficiently in the fastest, cleanest amount of time. This is all pretty high end mm-hmm. stuff. Then there's no, there was nobody in there. Well, I mean, we had like, you're probably the newest guy there. Yeah. And so, but most of us have been doing this for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, though, it's a lot of the head game stuff and all that, all that talk actually for character work is wonderful. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. And gosh, I mean, there, there, there was a point and, and I remember this from the first year 
that I took it where effectively yeah, I was auditing the class. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was, I was pretty shocked that first year because we're sitting there and we're sitting there and we're sitting there and we're just talking and talking and talking and, and, and they, they, well, don't worry. The expensive part's coming. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I shot a lot of ammo. Yeah. We did. No kidding. Um, but you know, we would go from, they would literally go from person to person and they're like, okay, well, well, what are you hoping to get out of this class? And, and I was, and I remember the first time I was hearing some people's answers who'd, who'd obviously been through this before. A lot of their stuff was, you know, I, I'm just, I'm really trying to work on, you know, on, on feeling more comfortable with this and that, or, yeah. or man, uh, I, I remember one, one girl who was there who was like, man, I'm just trying to get my head right. And I remember thinking, what? Well, what? It's like any, it's like any sport that's a high end sport. There's a huge part of it's physical, but there's a much bigger part that's mental. Yeah. Well, and, and the higher, also, and the higher you get that mental, I think it starts skewing that way. Also people who are really, really good at something tend to be the worst critics in the world for themselves. Yes. And that's a huge part of failing when you're, when you got competitors and a lot of these people have competed a lot in various contests and, and, and sort of things and where you screw up and then you beat yourself to oblivion about it. And so there's, there's two parts here to this, Larry. One, you as the writer writing about characters. Okay. It's important that, um, that, that is something that you can, that you can use in your writing to give authenticity to your characters, um, to, to really understand, like, look, sometimes we're our own worst critics Mm -hmm. and stuff. Right. But this also applies to you as a writer. But it really, this is, this is where I really want to take this conversation, Larry. And that's how does this apply to you? as a person trying to do a thing, mm-hmm. you yourself, not talking about the characters you're writing anymore. We're talking about you as the author, musician, artist, whatever you are. Okay. How does this apply? Yep. And here's, here's the point I want to illustrate. Um, and, and I'll, and I'll use myself as an example, just, just so that there's no, um, no confusion or whatever. There's, we're not talking about hypotheticals here. I'll tell you exactly how this, how I felt and how I went down with this. And, and frankly, uh, up until now, you're one of the only people that knows this. So first year, right. Took the class. Um, I was a freaking wreck. Mm-hmm. Um, my shoulder hurt like nothing else. Uh, I had spent money on this class And I remember, you know, the first day wasn't quite as bad, really. I was just, I don't know. I, that first day I was just kind of like, dang, well, this sucks. And, and I saw people shooting, I shot a little bit and I think maybe that's what kind of dulled it. You know, I did get a few rounds down range. Right. But the second day is when, is when it like totally hit me. And, um, I, I just remember sitting there watching everybody doing the things and, um, and oftentimes I was standing behind trying to do mental reps and, 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 you know, working on how I was holding my body and stance and stuff like that. Um, but I remember being just by the time the class was over, um, I left 
Mm-hmm. I left the class to go get pizza for everybody. Yeah. Right? Much appreciated. Yeah. So I, I, I left, went down there, got it. And on my way back, my dad called me and he's like, Hey man, how's it doing? How, how's the class going? And I was just like, dad, that sucked. I'm like, this sucks. And, and I, and I kind of broke down. It, yeah. It's hard to feel like a failure. So it, dude, it just sucked. And, and, and I, and, you know, I, and I, I, you know, I ended up hanging up on, you know, my dad and I stopped talking cause you know, I was going through the Canyon and there's zero reception in that Canyon. And, and I was, you know, I was driving there and I'm like, I, I, I don't even know what, what, what was all, what was the whole point of this? And, uh, you know, it, it just, dude, it just sucked so hard. And so, you know, and then, and, you know, I had, I had surgery, you know, just a couple of days later and, uh, and then I was so high that I forgot about everything. It was wonderful. Um, in fact, I think, I think we recorded a few episodes while I was super high. Um, don't tell your kids. Um, so <laughs> fast forward about a year later, well, not, not quite a year because, you know, we signed up for the, for the class a little early and, uh, and you text me and you're like, okay, dude, stuff's up. Like, like get in there. Yeah. And, and I was like, okay, cool. And I hesitated for a long moment, even though the, the folks at CDR who remember earlier, I said, I kind of wondered if they were finessing me a little bit. Um, the, you know, Cliff Notes version is nah, they totally weren't. They actually care. Yeah, they really do. Um, they're legit. They're totally legit. And, uh, and I hesitated for a long moment, even though they were, even though they were comping my, the advanced class for me, because I don't know, they, they liked that I was a brave little toaster the year before. Um, I almost didn't do it because I was like, well, like, you know, I, uh, are they going to look at me like, oh, here we go again. Here's this guy who couldn't do anything last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wasn't able, literally was not allowed to shoot or even hold a gun because they're too heavy for a guy with a jack shoulder. Like wasn't allowed to do any of that for months and months and months and months and months. Like, like, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is going to suck, but I kind of just did it anyway. I was like, well, I'll just do it. Whatever. I've got some friends that are going to be there at the very worst. I'll at least have good company. So I went anyway. Um, and it was probably the smartest decision I ever made. How much better did you do? Oh, stupidly better. <laughs> Dude, stupidly better. Yes, you did stupidly better. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think people understand. Like, this would be, I, I, I don't even, I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to explain this, Larry. Like, I went from, again, it was like I had a factory reset. Okay. Like, I went from, I, I'm not saying I was a good shooter before. I was fine. But then I went from fine to, like, like, you know, factory reinstall. Oh, you definitely took most improved. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and at the end, um, by the end of the, by the end of that first day, like even the instructors were looking at me and they're kind of like, well, okay then. Yeah. Giddy up. 
giddy up. You did you did a thousand percent better. And how how much of that was mental game? All of it. Exactly. And you got to remember. So the guys you're comparing yourself to, we've mostly uh, the average in that class has probably had twenty years of failure. Oh yeah. Or twenty years are getting our butts kicked. Or, yeah. Or like I remember times where I would drive sixteen hours across the country to go shoot a match and come in third to last. Well, for me, because things went horribly well, wrong. And again, and I live de- <laughs> depending on how fast I drive. That's yeah, a story yeah, for a different know, time. I know how fast you drive. I've seen you. <clears throat> um, please pay no attention, Mister Lawman. Uh, I'm I'm roughly. 35 to 40 minutes away from you. Yep. Okay. Pretty much everyone else that came, they were days. Oh yeah. People. And they all, and they all came to this class. Okay. All over the country. But you said something that was really important, Larry, and that was you all have had decades of failure. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a, that's a very specific, that's very specific words that you're using. Sounds similar to, uh, Many of the people listening to this podcast. Yeah. Yep. Because we've How, all been there. Oh, yeah. So I've been doing this whole writer thing for, let's call it 13 years. Mm-hmm. Mainly just because I like the number 13. Um, and it wasn't until this year that I had, we'll call it a successful book come out from yeah. a major publisher. Okay. So it took me 13 years. That's 13 years of failure. Yeah. Now. How what, are you, the question is, is just like in the class, when you, when you just go and you screw up something, you screw up a drill uh-huh. and you flub it, what do you get in your head? Do you get, I suck, I fail, I suck, I'm loser. Why am I doing this? Why am I here? Or do you go, why did I miss that shot? And that's the hard part. Yep. And it's because, like, I stood wrong. I, uh, my pinky was not gripping tightly mm-hmm. enough. So I squeezed the last section and shot an eighth of an inch low. Yeah. Yeah. You know? when, when, once you pulled the trigger, you, your, your hands did the tents from, the, from 80% tent to a hundred. Because I wasn't gripping hard yep. enough. And you, you know? dropped the shot low. Yep. So. <clears throat> so how are you going to treat that though? You can say, I'm a loser, failure, suck moron. Mm-hmm. Or I see what I did wrong. Let me correct it try again. The interesting thing about that, Larry, is I'd say a good half the class, half. And there's, there's about 20 people there. Yeah. The advanced, I think it was like 20. Yeah. Half. 20, I think I it was half. I think it was about 20 in the half or in the, in the advanced class. About half those people, the first instinct was I suck. Mm-hmm. I was there. Oh yeah. Because you have a bunch of people who are super competitive personalities. Well, and, and for me personally, I went from the year, the year before feeling like a complete and utter abject failure. Okay. I dealt with that basically for better part of a year, right? Feeling like that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and so when, when we were going through some of these drills, some of these coaching drills and they were, yeah, I mean, yeah, they, 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 they were manipulating like how I was standing and stuff, but I was actually doing kind of okay with that Mm -hmm. because I'd sat and watched that the previous year. Um, and even though I couldn't like lift anything for, you know, six, seven months, I would still practice that at home. Like, okay, how am I supposed to be standing? Um, but you know, so they, of course they tweaked that, mm-hmm. but by the time I got to the last station, cause it, you know, 
for those of you who don't, I'm, I'm being a little vague. Sorry. Let me be more concrete. So we had an area where we had a period of time where it was effectively one-on-one instruction. Um, they called us each up to, to the line one at a time. Um, literally them and everybody in the class was watching as you took, as you did five rounds from five yards on a one inch square. Okay. That's not, not easy. No, people don't realize how small that is. <laughs> one inches at five yards is very, very small. Uh, and so I went up there and I did it. And, and you got to understand, literally everybody is watching. doesn't matter how good you are. There's nerves. Mm-hmm. And then the three, the three instructors, they're all just kind of standing around you watching. Like some of them are looking at your legs. Some are looking at your hands. Literally taking notes. They're, they're taking notes on you. Okay. Then you move on. Then they go into a three station setup. First station, um, Melody, who is, as Larry said, the great diagnoser. Um, she can, you know, she tells you what she took notes on, what she thinks you need to work on, works on it for five to seven minutes, and they move you on to the next stage and you're progressively building upon that. So at the end of the day, it's anywhere from 15 to 20 to 25 minutes worth of individualized instruction. Can't even tell you how valuable that is. So we're going through the first one is Melody's like, okay, for me, it was mental. It was, I need you to be mentally more aggressive with, and, and, and that will change the, the physicality of your aggressiveness with how you are running your gun. I said, okay, cool. So I went through it. That was simple enough. Went on to the next guy was Chris. And he basically was like, okay, cool. He's like, I need to see, he's like, we need to see more purpose, more purpose-driven intent, more intent. And so we went through that. And I got to the last one and John just stares at me because he's John. And John can come across kind of a, kind of a tough guy. Um, some, some people would say he, uh, if you haven't listened to him talk for, for very long, some would seem as a little insensitive sometimes. Um, and, and yet that's not who he is at all. No, he's, he's very much into the self-love, like, like treat yourself better sort of thing. Yeah. So I get to him. And I'm up there and I'm shooting and, uh, I do a couple shots and they suck. I mean, they were still on cause I'd, I mean, I'd already learned from the previous two and like mechanically speaking, they'd fixed like an absurd amount. It was awesome. And I get up there and I, and I, and at one point I, I drew and I fired twice and I, and just kind of went, eh, nope. Kind of shook my head and went, nope, nope. That's not, that's not good. And I holstered and he's like. He's like, that's the second time in a row you've done that. I'm like, oh, oh, sorry about that. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, I don't care. He's like, you're better than that. Stop it. And so it turned into this, this like weird, bizarre mental head game with him. <laughs> and like, he wasn't, he barely gave me any like, like physical instruction. It was all just like, he was like, dude get out of your head. It's okay. Like you're not competing with any of these people. He's like, you're only competing with yourself. And so that changed everything. Yep. You are at different points. You're different mental points of your journey. Whether it's a shooter, writer, competitor, whatever it is you're doing, you're, you are your own worst enemy. Oh yeah. 
And uh, I am terrible at that. Yeah. I think, I think most writers are because we, we, we spend so much time in our heads. We spend so much time working even when we're not working. Yeah. Cause we're thinking about working. Mm-hmm. We're imagining, most people imagining is a break for, for us imagining is a job. And so when you don't accomplish what you want to accomplish, or you put a, something together and it doesn't come out the way you hoped, or you, you set goals and you don't reach them, too many of us, we just beat the crap out of ourselves. Yeah. And, and not in a constructive way. No, no. I mean, what, one of the things that, that I guess I've, I've almost kind of become known for saying and telling people, especially at, con- at conventions and on panels, is I say pretty frequently, it's like, look, it's, it's totally okay to fail. Yeah, because you're going to. Because you're going to. Yeah. It's going to happen. Even those of us who are really, you know, I always say really good, but who are more experienced, mm-hmm. we still do it. We still choke. I choked. My word count this last week has sucked. Yeah. You know, I did not hit my 10,000 words, not even close. <laughs> I'd have to have a miraculous day tomorrow to hit that. But I think, I think what I need to start adding to that, I, I don't, I don't think me saying it's okay to fail is enough. Larry, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I, I just don't think it's enough anymore mm-hmm. because I think maybe if you're not careful and that's what you say, you're reinforcing the negative Yep. because that's, that's, I mean, kid you not everyone, we probably heard that 30 or 40 times over the course of two days. And some people struggle with it more than others. Some people, oh, yeah. remember Kurt? Oh yeah. Kurt, great shooter. I don't want to say his last name, but great guy, great shooter. Last year he had a dad, he had a bad time. Yeah. He, and why? And he was in his head. He got in his head. And this year he did like a thousand percent better. And he had a good time. Yeah. Honestly, that's a good lesson too. It's like between writing and shooting is like, if you're having fun, you will do better and you will yeah. learn more. So then if you're not having fun, you got to ask yourself, why am I not having fun? Yeah. And then change whatever it is that's standing in right. your way. So, so I think from now on, Larry, what I'm going to tell people is it's okay to fail. It's not okay to beat yourself up about it. Yeah. You're going to fail, accept the suck of that. That's okay. Like, I mean, oftentimes we as humans, we learn the most when we have, when we have a failure. But at that point, it's, it's what is your attitude coming out of that failure? Are you going to be positive with it? Or are you going to be negative? Are you going to be the guy that's like, well, I failed again. That's just because I suck. Yep. Or are you going to say, well, I failed, but dang, if I didn't learn something from this. Yeah. It's interesting too. Cause you remember one day we were sitting at the end of the day and I'd actually, so into the first day of the advanced class, I had actually done really good. Yeah. I was feeling good. And so we're going through and he's kind of talking to everybody like how they're doing. And mm-hmm. it got to me. I was like, dude, I'm feeling awesome. Mm-hmm. And cause we before that, we've been talking about all these people who are like, I'm in my head. I, I, no, I'm, I'm struggling with that. And like, you know, self-love and you can do it. And it got to me, it's like, dude, I'm awesome. Look at that target. I'm like pointing at the target. Like, look at that sucker. Yeah. Cause I was having a mm-hmm. good, I was actually, it's funny. I got a really bad nosebleed just cause yeah. it, was, it was hot. And it was I windy. remember. So I got a really bad nosebleed. So I had to run off the line, shove a bunch of tissue paper up my nose, ran back, wasn't thinking about shooting and shot the best. I'd sh- clean these friggin' drills in oh, record yeah. time. Why? Because I was thinking about all the blood going down my shirt and my beard yeah. and not thinking about the target. You weren't and, in your head. No, exactly. So you I were just, just you were working on, on, you were working on mechanics. 
yeah, and I know how to do it. And so I just did it automatically. And uh, so that was in the very final test of the class. Chris looked at me and uh, kind of like the first run was okay, but my accuracy was a tiny bit off. And Chris looks at me and goes, hey, you want me to punch you in the face? <laughs> and I was tempted. I was like, hmm. <laughs> From him, that probably would have hurt a lot. That said, yeah, no, he's not the guy. Maybe Melody could punch me in the face. Yeah, yeah I think I think we could have like 102 pounds. That'd yeah. be okay. No, but it's it's a huge head game. And I think the parallels here between any like creative endeavor or athletic endeavor or precision endeavor, look at yourself and look at what you are good at. It's like, so that day I didn't have to worry about that at all. So that would have been a perfect writing day for me. Mm-hmm. I would have just went and ran and wrote, you know, 7,000 words and been gold. Mm-hmm. Other days you get in your head and you start kicking your butt. Be constructive about that and be like, okay, why am I, why am I in my head? Why do I feel like a failure? Why do I feel like a loser? How can I change that and make it so I am effective again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How can I learn from this? I wrote this scene. This scene was crap. What can I learn from what I do? And then, oh, well, obviously I shouldn't do this. Yeah. You start diagnosing it. And, and I think, I think once people start thinking of, of that, they start diagnosing what the issues are. All of a sudden, what's interesting? What, what happens, Larry? Say, say you got, you got up in, in shooting, you get up to the line, you know, you drop a shot. Because maybe your pinkies were tight enough, or your or your grip wasn't quite tight. Well, at one point it was like drop your taint. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Literally drop your taint one inch, and Thank I was you. like, oh, hey, yeah, uh, well, hey, yeah, yeah, that works. I just tightened my grip up thirty percent. <laughs> but the natural, the first natural thing is when you think you suck, you're just like, well, I suck. And I, oh man, I don't. Okay, here we go. I guess I'm gonna have to do this again. Yep. Versus, you diagnose, and you say, okay. All right. Okay. Well, I, uh, okay. My, my grip was, I wasn't gripping the gun near as tightly as I thought I was. And so my, you know, I did the flinch. I dropped the shot six inches low, whatever. And then the next, what's the very next thought? Okay. Once I get up to the line next, I'm going to focus on that and make sure that doesn't happen because I bet if I do that, it's going to land right where I need it to. Can you guys see the difference there mentally? And can you guys see how you can apply that to your writing? Every time, you know, I write a short story. In fact, in my, in my Hellhounds collection, at the end of every story, I put a little thing in there and I said, here's why I think this story sold. Here's why I think it didn't. Here's what I learned from it. And then on the next short story, and I mean, they're not in order of publication, but I know that historically speaking, when I would do that self-evaluation, my next story was better. Yep. When I beat myself up, my next short story wasn't necessarily better. So guys, it's okay to fail, but it's not okay to beat yourself up about it. There you go. Writer Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Korea. Produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries by Craig Naibo. New episodes come out every Wednesday wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writerdojo, by leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on the Writer Dojo, email ads at writerdojo.com. 
All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. Can I get an amen?